Good morning, everybody. Well, Rich, you were led by the Spirit with the verse you read this morning. Either that or you looked in the bulletin. So, uh, yeah, thanks for doing that. Um, yeah, um, as Tom preached last week, um, Tom preached last week about the, the emphases that we're going to be, as a church, looking at th- this year. And the first one that, um, that we're going to be preaching about is righteousness. And um, to d- so today, uh, what I want to talk about is, is becoming righteous, or how to become righteous. Uh, so let's just start out with prayer because we know that <laughs> it's from the Lord that we become righteous. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning. Thank you for your word, for your truth. And this morning we offer ourselves, our hearts, our minds, our ears, ourselves um, to serve you. Um, transform us by your word. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. All right. Uh, well, have you ever heard heard it said uh, that people look like their dogs or their pets? Uh, Beth Beth's got a pig, so I don't I don't I don't think that's true. Yeah, um, <laughs> but uh, but maybe sometimes it happens. I don't know. I don't know how that would work if it is. Um, but you know, have you have you ever noticed that married people sometimes? grow to act and look, even look a little bit like each other somehow. And uh, that, uh, that does seem to happen sometimes. Um, and of course, children uh, definitely take after their parents, their grandparents, other close relatives uh, in their looks, their speech, their mannerisms, even personalities, right? And sometimes good things and sometimes not so good things that we take after. Um, that's, that's easy to understand. You know, part of it comes because they share genetics, uh, but also part of it comes from just spending a lot of time together, right? We become like those who we spend time with. Well, today we want to talk about how, to, how do we become righteous. In other words, how do we grow and act uh, to be more like Jesus. And the answer is similar to what I just said about children, and that is uh, part of it is shared genetics with the Lord, and part of it is spending much time together with him. Uh, do you remember this verse from the book of Acts where the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law said, said this, Acts 4.13, Acts 4.13, <clears throat> When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Right? Uh, that's, that's no coincidence. You know, we, the, the more time we spend with Jesus, the, the more we become like him. Now, someone might say, hey, well, we are made completely righteous in God's sight by grace through faith in Jesus. I don't need to worry about 
being or living like Jesus. And uh, you know what? That's partly true. Uh, in, in one way it's true. Maybe the first part is true. The second part is not necessarily true. So when we repent of our sins, we receive Christ's forgiveness by faith. We are born again, right? That's what Jesus said. You must be born again. Spiritually speaking, we come to life again with the Holy Spirit living in us and brings us to life spiritually. Um, our sins are taken away, right? Do you believe that? We must, right? And uh, our old sinful life is exchanged for Jesus' perfect new righteous life. At the cross, there was an exchange, right? And, uh, and that's, that's a spiritual transaction. And it said our, our old self was crucified with Christ. And therefore, I no longer live, but it's Christ living in me. Uh, and the, the Holy Spirit comes to live in us and transforms us. Uh, so when God sees us, he sees Jesus' righteousness, right? So uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who, knew, who had no sin to be sin for us, to be sin so that's an exchange, right? He traded places so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's, we become the righteousness of God. My goodness, that's, a, that's an amazing thought. We just don't have it, but we become his righteousness. Um, so being born again with the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we have new spiritual genetics, right? We have the the righteous genetics of God in us. And uh, again, Paul writes, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And yet, uh, here's the thing. It would be a grave mistake to say that God doesn't expect to see that righteousness evident and worked out through our lives. In other words, he expects us to bear good fruit. Okay, in other words, it wouldn't be right if we have his genetics, but there's no, no evidence, no way to tell it, right? If he is in us, there is going to be a change. We're going to see it. It's going to come forth. Um, just like in some way, if you have a baby, there's something of you has got to come out, uh, in that person's life. In fact, it's, there's lots of things going to come out um, you, are going to be evident that that person is related to you, that baby. Um, Matthew, Jesus said in Matthew 5, starting in verse 16, talked about how he expects fruit to come from our lives. In the same way, oh sorry, uh, the PowerPoint was a group project. I, I helped and then my computer at home and this computer here. And there was some disagreement about the size of the font. <clears throat> and I only have one vote, so I'm not the majority. So it skips around from big to little, I'm sorry. Um, but don't blame me. Uh, so it says in the same way, 
Uh, Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. You know, it's, there are some people today, even I, I've heard a famous preacher um, even say, uh, we just throw out the Old Testament because that's the law. We're living in the gospel now. I've, I've heard that. There are a lot of people today that say, oh, that's Old Testament or oh, that's, that's the law. Uh, we, don't, we don't have that anymore. Um, that, that's, not, that's not correct. Jesus said otherwise. He said, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, has that happened yet? No. Uh, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Therefore, anyone who sets aside one of the least of these commands, not sure which of the commands is the least, but uh, and teaches others accordingly will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So there's two things. It's practicing them, living them out, the law. Now, now if, the truth is, if you look at the Bible, there is law and gospel throughout Old and New Testament, right? And the New Testament probably is a little bit stricter on moral law than the Old Testament. Yeah, we don't, we don't have to observe ceremonial laws like animal sacrifices and circumcision and and we don't have to observe civil laws like, for example, you must stone your children if they rebel against you. We don't have to do those things anymore because those are not moral, the moral law. But the, he's talking about the moral law, the Ten Commandments, and what laws that are about right and wrong and loving your neighbor and loving God. He's a, he says, I expect you to practice those and, and teach Teach those things to those around you, to your family and, and to those in your church and, and those around you. And uh, you'll be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 20, for I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. So he's taking a little dig at the religious leaders of the time, but the reason he's not, he was doing that is not because he's disrespectful, but because uh, they were the teachers and they were showing an example of trying to look good on the outside or even say, I'm okay as I am, uh, but on the inside, uh, they were corrupt. It was, it was just a show. Their righteousness was a show, uh, but inside they were lacking or in secret they were lacking. Uh, so he says, you've got to be the real deal. You've got to be the real thing. Um, let's describe it this way. Jesus didn't just live and die to the fulfill the law for us. He did that, but that's not only what he did. 
he also wants to fulfill the law through us. Okay? So, yeah, absolutely. We cannot fulfill the law without Jesus. He fulfilled the law for us. We had sins that we could not wash away no matter what we tried to do, and he took them away from us, right? But he came to live in us. He gave us new genetics, and now he not only wants to do that, but but live his life through us and fulfill the law in our day-to-day lives through through us. And, uh, you know, therefore, as followers of Jesus, here's what we must not say, and I tell this to kids at school a lot. We should not say that sin doesn't matter. Oh, God doesn't care if I sin. Jesus died for me. Jesus did die for me, and, and it, sin was a big problem. But if sin didn't matter, or if God didn't care about sin, Jesus would not have had to give his life. Amen? Sin absolutely did matter. Sin is destructive to us. And you can think of all the ways that sin is destructive. Sin is destructive to the people around us. Sin is destructive to our relationships with each other and most of all our relationship with God. And uh, yeah, I mean, just look at all the, the troubles and the evil in the world today. Even things like sickness and you remember uh, those things those things are known as the curse, the results, the consequences of sin in the world. Not everything bad that happens is a direct result of what you did or I did. Like, you know, if you get sick, it's not necessarily because you sinned in a certain way. Sometimes it works like that. But, uh, but it is a de- direct result because sin came into the world and broke the world. Basically, the world is corrupt, and and uh, and thankfully, uh, Jesus came to redeem us from the curse, amen, and to destroy the works of the enemy. Um, but Jesus died and rose again to rescue us from the punishment we deserve for our sins. We know that. But he also died and rose again to rescue us, rescue us from a sinful life. Because a sinful life is a hard road. (laughs) Amen? And a sinful life is an unfruitful road. And do we want to get to the end of our lives and say, I did not fulfill God's purpose for my life? God doesn't want to see that either. Do we want to get to the end of our life and say, I wasted all this time, this this, uh, blessing that was given to me, a life in the world and say I wasted it I have not accomplished or borne fruit accomplished what I was made to do no and God does not want to see that and so it's not like he's selfish and he's saying I'm demanding that you bear fruit for me but it's 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 not that it's just you're my sons you're my daughters I desire for you to be successful. I desire for you to bear fruit in the way, the purposes and plans that I made you t- for and to be. And so it's, it's out of love for us that he wants that. He redeemed our lives so that we could live a life in healthy and loving relationship with him and fulfilling all of his best purposes and callings for our life. 
So throughout the Bible, God teaches us about his expectation for us to bear good fruit and talks about how to do it. Let's look at Psalm 1. Uh, It's six verses long, and it's very familiar to us. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Just compare those two images. Uh, You know, God gives us, Jesus gives us pictures that we can understand about spiritual things. Uh, You can picture a healthy tree thriving next to a stream where it's well watered and has uh, good soil, right? And on the other side, chaff, which is (laughs) chopped off stems without the fruit, broken and not able to Uh, produce anything good anymore because it's dead and that is the contrast that is uh, that is um, being given here um, between the one who tries to follow the world and the one who meditates on God's word and seeks him Verse 5, therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. And in the modern day church, I don't think we like to talk about this very much, but the Old Testament and then the New Testament, Jesus, we're going to often talked about a judgment, that there is a judgment. And so one of the reasons we come to Christ is because, because if we live a life with no fruit, uh, we will be burned up like the chaff. Or as Jesus said in what Rich read, the branches will be picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And so there is a judgment. Jesus warns us of that judgment, not because he hates us, but because he loves us. And he wants us, he never intended for that to happen to us. You know what I'm saying? Or to anybody. And, uh, um, but there, you know, if you look through the Bible, there are promises of blessings to the righteous all over the place. And there are promises or warnings of consequences to, to the wicked and to wicked behavior all over the place. And, and those things really happen. The righteous are blessed. There is blessing for righteous behavior and there, is, there are consequences for wicked behavior, even for Christians, even for people who are saved. Righteousness will bring blessing to your life and uh, sin will bring uh, unpleasant consequences to our lives. Now, Jesus, can, Jesus brings forgiveness when we repent, but, but uh, even if you look at, look at uh, the life of David, King David, uh, there were blessings because there were things in areas that he obeyed, but there were areas where he disobeyed and 
and uh, unpleasant results came from it that he had to walk through. God still loved him. He was still saved, um, but, but there were consequences. So um, anyway, again, this passage, we shouldn't dismiss it as Old Testament law because Christ came to fulfill the law. So when Psalm 1 describes the righteous person, it's describing what, God's intent, what God intends for our life in Christ to look like. Uh, he gives a, that picture uh, of the fruitful tree, and uh, it's, it gets a steady flow of life that sustains it and causes it to bear fruit, right? So when we're saved and God lives in us, there's that, Jesus said, rivers of living water shall flow from within. And that, that's what causes us to bear fruit. What kind of fruit are we talking about? Well, righteousness. Um, what are the fruits of the Spirit? Love. Some people think all the rest of them are expounding on what love is. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, that's the fruit of the Spirit, right? Um, all of the acts of obedience that God leads us to, um, the works that Jesus did that we also will do, Jesus said, all of these things are good fruit. Um, but one thing, what is, let's just take note, the person who is fruitful in Psalm 1, what do they do? Uh, well, first of all, they don't copy the ways of the world. They're not like the world around them. How many of you know that if we, if we try to learn the right way from the world around us, we're going to get off track? But they meditate on God's law, on his word, day and night, right? Because we, we become more like those we spend time with. So we know that if you are a Christian, if you have faith, you have the genetics of Jesus in you that enable you to be like him, right? But uh, we have to spend time with him as well. If you shipped your uh, newborn baby, you never do that, right? But if you ship them to somebody who was totally an ungodly person and they grew up in that, they wouldn't turn out the way you would want them to be, right? And, and so it's the same with us. Um, there are some verses in the Bible, in Proverbs uh, chapter 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We become like the people that we're with and that's uh, a, hopefully a good thing. Proverbs 13, 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Um, I'm just thinking about my own life. I remember junior high. Try not to, but <laughs> I remember junior high, and I remember that uh, I remember my eighth grade teacher saying, "You're the worst class I've had in 40 years." It was his 40th year of teaching. Um, I feel bad about that when I in, when I met him later on in life. Uh, many times I apologized to him. Um, I actually I was a pretty good kid, but one one thing I remember is being negatively influenced by hanging around some of my classmates who talked and acted in ways that I should not have. 
and I regret that. I've given it to the Lord. We don't have to hang on to regret anymore. But uh, I just recall being influenced in a negative way. I also remember my senior year in college at Valpo and uh, how through circumstances God led me into an in- with, to an interesting roommate who was very OCD. Uh, that's another story. But he loved God. And down the hall was another guy who really loved God. And we, uh, we three spent a lot of time together talking about God's word. And that was just, to me, a great picture of iron sharpening iron. And I think about the wife God has given me. And, of course, we spend all kinds of time together. We can't be apart if we try, right? We work at the same place all the time. And, uh, but what a, what a good effect she has had on me in my life. Hopefully I've been the same to her. Um, so it's true. And uh, you know what the Lord said to me? He said, the person who tries to do God's will without taking time to know him, I mean, it's good to want to do his will, but if we don't take the time to really get to know him better, um, we'll end up in confusion and disorder, lost, looking for the path. In other words, you're trying to look for the path, but you can't find it without knowing, spending time with, listening to the word of Jesus. And, you know, the world is moving in a totally different direction. But Jesus has called us to come follow him. That's what, you know, when he called people, he didn't say, pray this prayer and then just go your way. But he called disciples and said, come follow me. And even those who didn't follow him specifically, he said, go and make disciples. And so we are supposed to follow uh, those who have followed him. And, and it goes, it's passed on and on, right? To be like Jesus. And of course, no matter who we follow, we can always spend time with the Lord. And we all have his word. And, uh, and we need that. We will not be successful without that. His disciples dwelt with him and grew more like him because of it. And we will too when we seek him first and his righteousness, when we read and listen to his word, fellowshipping with his people. That's important, right? That's why it says do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Worshiping him and obediently moving where he leads as he guides us, right? Where he goes, we need to go. You know, Jesus told a parable about the Father's expectation for us and his help for us in bearing fruit. Uh, Actually, more than one, but this one is in Luke chapter 13, starting at verse 6. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? All right, remember this is, um, I think it's supposed to be God the Father. Okay, oh, is God the Father a, a harsh, mean Father? No, no. Um, but the truth is, uh, there is a responsibility to being a son or a daughter. Then, sir, the man replied, 
leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. This uh, gardener, I think, is supposed to represent Jesus. Actually, I think it represents the heart of God because the heart of Jesus is not different than the heart of the Father. Amen? I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. So even for the mercy of God, there is, there is a, a limit. There is a responsibility for us. Um, and so, you know, it, it's clear when you look at this parable, both the owner of the vineyard, or, yeah, it's a vineyard, and the caretaker believe that the fig tree, with the stock that it has, that it came from, and the nurturing that it's going to get, uh, that they are investing in it, should certainly be able to bear fruit. Uh, Mrs. Kreider and I have talked about, sometimes at school we hear young people say like, well, we know we're, we're always going to sin, we just can't help it because we're human. That's not right, that's not biblical for Christians. Um, we are dead, we died to sin, it says. How can we live in it any longer? Okay, in other words, we have the power within us to not sin. We are no longer slaves to sin. Um, so that's really good news for us, but also places some responsibility on us about how we go about living our lives. Uh, really to receive what he's given us. And uh, Jesus talked about that in the verse, the passage that Rich read. So uh, the last thing we want to look at is John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. And the computers thought this should be smaller, so I, I apologize for that. He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. That's a serious, serious message. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. How many of you enjoy being pruned? One thing I, I did look up about, like, why do branches fall off of trees? And there are different reasons, obviously. But one thing it said, this guy who did research um, said one thing is that most of the big limbs that fall off trees are longer than all the others. And so sometimes growth gets out of control and, and uh, makes a tree less fruitful. So pruning is necessary. And in our lives, we know that pruning is necessary and a lot of times that sounds like uncomfortable things that draw us back to the Lord that cause us to seek, seek the Lord. And so he'll do that because he loves us. He says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. So the word actually uh, helps prune us and clean us. Um, remain in me, he says, as I also remain in you. So it's not, it's not all on us, but he's like, you do need to receive me. I will be in you. I am in you. Now remain in me. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That's a promise. Okay, there is an if, and that's if we remain in him. Now, I don't think it's a question that he will remain in us, right? But, but the question is on our side. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How many of you know that's true? That's a good thing to acknowledge. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I think it's interesting that he puts in there, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Um, so there is a tie between answered prayers and um, re certainly remaining in him, letting his words remain in us and being obedient. Um, it's for the Father's glory that we bear much fruit. Uh, how do you prove that you're a disciple of Jesus? Bearing fruit. That's the proof. That's not how you, that's not why you're a disciple of Jesus, but that is the result of being a disciple of Jesus. Verse nine, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, praise the Lord. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I don't think that's saying that we earn his love by keeping his commandments, but I think what it's, saying is that as we keep his commandments, uh, there's nothing that's gonna pull us away from his love. You know what I mean? Like if we start, sin, sin is destructive and sin can be harmful to our faith in him. Sin can harm our relationship with Jesus if it goes unrepented of. You know what I mean? Repentance is an important thing. I have told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants for a servant does not understand what his master is doing. But I have called you friends because everything I have learned from my Father I have made known to you. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> He's not holding back from us. Do you see here that we are called to be much more than just like little, all right, little foster children that he tolerates, kids at our daycare or what, I don't know what, we are sons and daughters, and he has meant us to grow up and be like him. He wants to involve us in his work, and he wants to be friends with us who can relate on the same level. And so he's got much more for our lives than just giving us a ticket to heaven. See you there, don't bother me too much when you're there. 
Do you, understand, do you see that in here? Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you. How does that make you feel? Yeah, it wasn't your idea. It was his. He chose you. Hallelujah. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. There it is again. This is my command to you. Love one another. It's not complex. It's simple. Love one another. It feels a little complex sometimes in the working out of life, but uh, but it's uh, it's basic. You know, if you walk across our campus, especially in the wintertime, right, Connie? Uh, there are a lot of branches on the ground. Uh, why they all fell down, I don't know. Uh, if you go through the woods, it's full of branches, big ones, uh, dead trees. And uh, these branches did not remain in the tree. Uh, even if they previously bore fruit, uh, on the ground, they're not bearing any more fruit. And uh, it's because they were separated from the trunk and the root system of the tree. They have no nourishment apart from the tree. And Jesus, that's what Jesus was telling us, right? So likewise, a person who does not abide in Jesus is not proved to be his true disciple. So here's the question I ask. Maybe you do too. What does it mean to abide in Christ. What does it mean? How do we remain in him? Well, I uh, looked up something John Piper said about the question. Here's what he said. The essential meaning of our act of abiding is receiving and trusting all that God is for us in Christ. You know, think about the the, vine, the branch being connected to the vine so that what the vine has can flow into the branch. And so that's what he's saying about us. Receiving all that, receiving and trusting all that God is for us in Christ. If a branch remains or abides attached to the vine in such a way that it is receiving all that the vine has to give, that's a picture of what John means is believing or trusting Jesus. Jesus gets very specific about what is flowing between the vine and the branch. He mentions three things. His words. Lost my place. His love and his joy. So abiding in the vine means believing and receiving and trusting in the words of Jesus and the love of Jesus for the Father and for his people and the joy that Jesus has in the Father and in us. It means sharing the joy, the love, the words of Jesus. That's what John Piper said. You know, branches were meant to abide in the vine or tree that they grew from. They weren't meant to be broken off or separated. They weren't meant to be burned up in the fire. When one breaks off, usually it's because its connection to the tree, for some reason, has been compromised is superficial, uh, something's wrong on the inside even though it looks like it's okay on the outside. All right, it could be from the wind blowing and whipping the thing around and, 
and inside on the outside it looks healed and okay but on the inside the connections are broken broken off could be because insects got in there and chewed up the inside it could be uh you know some other some kind of disease uh, or whatever caused the inside to rot and not be uh not have its integrity um but a real relationship with Jesus is one of integrity. That's an interesting word because it means soundness, like you're complete. You're not hollowed on the inside, right? Not compromised. Uh, there was one time I, I said a little lie in reporting uh, a deer to the, to the conservation department because it, I thought it was a doe and it was a button buck and that was illegal. So you reported online and uh, I was given advice, eh, just call it a button buck, which is legal, not a spike buck, which is not legal. And uh, so I did that. And my son Caleb's like, is that right? <laughs> iron sharpens iron, right? So I was like, huh, yeah, well, you know, Caleb, it's, yeah. That's not a good dad. Uh, you know what? I, I was reading his word uh, for the next couple days, three days. I kept coming up on stuff about integrity, and it keep, kept poking me. I kept reading about integrity. And uh, the Holy Spirit was like, you need to call back up and make this right. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Anyway, I, Long story short, after three days, I got so um, stirred up inside that I had to call the conservation agent and say what I did. And he wasn't happy with me. Uh, he didn't punish me. I, I caused actually inconvenience to him. I caused him a problem. But uh, uh, I felt a lot better. <laughs> you know, because... Uh, because what I'm saying is, that seems like a very little thing, right? Like, but to God, it was a big deal. Because it, I think because it was my integrity, and He didn't want not want my integrity compromised, because He knew that that could lead to trouble for me, not being uh, all that He wants me to be. So praise the Lord, praise the Holy Spirit for conviction. Conviction is a good thing. It's not the same as condemnation. Amen? So, um, so we submit to his word, and we are filled with his word. We, uh, we believe in him and who he really is. He is our Lord and our Savior. He's not just a Savior without being the Lord. He can tell us what to do. He has the right to show us what we need to do and what not to, how we should live. As Savior, he's the one who rescued us from sin and death by his loving sacrifice. Uh, he, forgive, he brings us forgiveness. He's always there when we repent to, to offer forgiveness and healing. And he's the one who dwells in us uh, with his love and power to empower us and enable us to obey him and be like him and please him. And... Uh, be pleasing to God. The Father said this about Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. 
And this is who we believe in. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. (laughs) And that's who Jesus is, the one that we should listen to. As we do, we will grow to be like him. He will transform us. His life and character will be worked out in our daily living. And we will bear fruit, fruit that will last. And that's what it means to be righteous. Uh, We are his. We have his genetics. And as we spend time with him, we'll grow to be like him. Let's pray. Father, we just, we thank you for your word. We thank you that salvation does not just mean a free ticket to heaven, but it's much more than that because, Lord, we want to be like you. We are your true children. We are your true disciples. And you have made it possible for us not just to be the ones you tolerate, but to be your friends, your beloved sons and daughters, that you have chosen to involve us in your life that you've chosen to cause us to be like Jesus in all his fullness as a child of God. Father, we thank you. And Lord, this morning, uh, I'm sure there are things, all of us, in our heart that we, we just need to repent for ways that we have not listened to your word, uh, where we have taken lightly things and said, oh, God doesn't care about that doesn't matter because we know actually that's not true because Jesus paid the greatest price to rescue us out of sin and its lifestyle and to rescue us from the ways of the world that, that were wrong and to redeem us from death and sin and to redeem us from the curse and all the consequences that come from a sinful life. So Lord, we offer ourselves to you this morning. We offer ourselves to you. Lord, we want to receive all that you have given us through Jesus Christ and through the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we offer ourselves today. Fill us. Let us remain in you. Let us abide in you. Let us meditate on your word day and night. Let us believe all the things that are true. Work out of us everything that is not of you and heal anything in us that's compromised that connection to Christ and let it be living and active and let your life and your love and your spirit flow in us, through us, and cause us to bear fruit, lasting fruit, that we will overflow to the world around us and that others may know and that we we might teach others to walk in the same relationship with you. Lord, we bless you. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.